From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. The disappearance and apparent murder of Washington Post contributor Jamel Khashoggi by Saudi Arabia has highlighted what really has always been there, the complex relationship our country has with one of our most important and problematic allies, Saudi Arabia. And it's not just about foreign policy. In recent years, American businesses have developed deep connections in the kingdom, and that includes Donald Trump. In the aftermath of Khashoggi's disappearance, CEOs of some of the largest financial firms have announced they're staying away, at least from a business summit planned for next week in Saudi Arabia. They call it Davos in the desert. Tech and media companies pulling out of a Saudi investment conference. Uber's Dara Khosrowshahi, Jamie Dimon, Bill Ford, Steve Case, uh, the heads of BlackRock and Blackstone. Now as pressure mounts on that country to explain what happened, President Trump's history with the Saudis is also coming under scrutiny. Here to talk about all this are David Farenthold, who reports on Trump's business interests for The Washington Post, and Joe Nocera, a business columnist for Bloomberg. And Joe, just how intertwined are U.S. businesses in Saudi Arabia? Really intertwined. I mean, Silicon Valley in particular has gotten a lot of Saudi money. Um, uh, uh, venture capitalists have gotten Saudi money. Uber has gotten a lot of backing from the Saudis. And so Silicon Valley is one area that is really dependent on the Saudis. Uh, in addition, all the big investment banks in the U.S. are trying to get a piece of what could be the biggest IPO ever, the IPO of Aramco, the Saudi oil company. And in addition, construction companies and companies that do that kind of work uh, are all diving into Saudi Arabia right now because Saudi Arabia wants to build a $500 billion modern-age city from scratch and has enlisted lots of U.S. thinkers and companies and CEOs to help them, many of whom now are saying they're going to stay away, at least in the short term. Um, But we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, that's a question that I have. You have some of these CEOs like Jamie Dimon, who runs JPMorgan Chase, or Larry Fink, who's the, the world's largest asset manager, BlackRock. You know, they're saying, we're not going to go to this trip. But are they saying that? Or are they saying, we're just not going to go next week, but we could be there a couple of months from now? Well, we're certainly not saying they're going to want to be there in a couple of months. But Honestly, if this dies down, business will resume, I think, fairly quickly. And so far, what we've seen from the president and the secretary of state is a kind of attitude of, you know, we have so much money at stake here, we can't afford to walk away. And he cites in particular an arms deal that's allegedly worth $110 billion, although in truth, nobody can seem to figure out where that number comes from. So how involved are the military contractors with deals in Saudi Arabia? Oh, huge. I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing because Saudi Arabia gets almost all of its military equipment from the United States. And one of the things Trump has kept on saying is that if we don't sell, keep selling them arms, the Chinese or the Russians or the French will. But that is really unlikely because they are so dependent on American arms, uh, Russian and Chinese arms just wouldn't work in the context of their military. So, David, let's talk a little bit about Donald Trump and his own history in Saudi Arabia and with the royal family. Uh, He even talked about it on the campaign trail. Saudi Arabia, and I get along great with all of them. They buy apartments from me. They spend 40 million, 50 million. Am I supposed to dislike them? I like them very much. David, how far back does this relationship go? Trump's relationship with business relationship with rich Saudis goes back uh, to the early 1990s, but Trump had his go-go days of the 80s had ended and he ended up in a huge amount of debt and trying to get rid of some of his biggest assets. So Saudi princes bought both of the Trump princess, which was this giant yacht Trump had, and also the Plaza Hotel, two properties that basically Trump had bought in the 80s and then in the 1990s couldn't pay for. 
But we shouldn't look back at those areas and say, well, you know, the Saudis were cultivating him because they thought he would be a future president. They just saw him as a guy who was highly motivated to sell and they could get a good deal from. So what is his company's current connections to the Saudis? The current relationship is much more important and much more interesting. So Trump, as you know, still owns his business while in the White House. He still derives revenue from the employees in the White House, even though he doesn't manage it day to day. And he has three hotels that the Saudis have patronized in a really important way. There's a hotel in D.C. Trump has where the Saudis spent $270,000 last year putting up people who are visiting Washington to basically lobby against a law that the Saudi Arabia doesn't like. And then at Trump's hotels in New York and Chicago, both places that have really struggled since Trump came into office, Saudi customers have increased, so much so in New York that actually the general manager of the hotel sent a letter to investors in that hotel earlier this year saying, you know, we've had a couple down years, but our first quarter of 2018 revenue was up. And almost all of it, the increase was attributable to this particular stay by Saudi visitors who were visiting New York with the crown prince. I mean, one of the things that we've been trying to understand is how much foreign money could have an influence uh, on Donald Trump. Can you put the Saudi money in context to uh, all the people who have invested or been involved in Trump-related businesses? It's a little hard to put in context because we can tell, we still can't tell how much they've spent. Uh, and that's the key question, is how much the Saudi, uh, the Saudi customers have spent with Trump and how much it's meant to him, how much profit he's made. Trump had promised at the beginning of his administration that he was going to donate what he called all foreign profits at any of his businesses to the U.S. Treasury. And that seemed like a gesture toward transparency, a way of kind of heading off the criticism of him for taking foreign government's money. But they haven't fulfilled that promise in a very pr- transparent way. All they've done is say, in 2017, we, we made $151,000 in quote-unquote foreign profits, and we've donated that back to the Treasury. But they haven't said which countries those profits came from, how they calculated those profits. So we still don't really know much at all about Trump's real business relationship with Saudi Arabia or really any other country. David, do you think that Trump's attitude about the Saudis in this case has less to do with genuine foreign policy and more to do with kind of the way he treats Business partners as, you know, people he doesn't want to damage or hurt or upset, even if there are larger issues at stake? It's hard for me to know in this case. Obviously, Trump has a big business relationship with the Saudis and an important business relationship with the Saudis. But also, as president, number one, he's shown a real deference toward autocratic leaders, and that could be China, Russia, and Saudi Arabia. Also, his entire Middle East policy is premised on the idea that Saudi Arabia wins. They, right. they win the battle to sell more oil. They win the sort of regional struggle against Iran. They've gone all in on Saudi Arabia and Israel. So, you know, it's not just the business relationship that conflicts him here. It's that he is based, he's given Saudi Arabia all the leverage in that relationship right off the bat as part of his Middle East policy. Joe, where does all this leave us? You know, I think we're where we were. I think David's completely right that the U.S. government has banked everything on the Saudis. Their Middle East policy is, is, is dependent on the Saudis, and I don't think that's going to change at all. Jonas Serra is a business columnist for Bloomberg, and David Farenthold reports on Trump's business interests for The Washington Post. Thank you both for joining. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm Charlie Herman, and this is Money Talking from WNYC. 